Hey everybody, you're listening to the Legacy Church Podcast. Legacy Church is a multi-generational church that exists to worship God, become like Jesus, and bring hope to our community. Today, we're sharing a message from our current series. We believe that the Word of God is powerful and has real-life application to our lives today. We hope that this message encourages you. Get connected and learn more about us by visiting our website at lgcy.church. I know we are in the week of uh, Easter. Easter is coming up. And I was just uh, praying to God, what would you want me to share with our church family today? And uh, as I was uh, contemplating and uh, praying, uh, I was at, uh, our office, at my office in Guaf there. The Lord gave me a word that I want to share with you. Uh, the word is uh, life is in the seed. Life is in the seed. How many know that you can't have the fruits without the seed? There is no fruits without what? Planting of the seed. Now, understanding the same principle of uh, life is in the seed is very crucial and important for us to understand the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, before we understand those aspects of uh, the death, why Jesus had to die, why he had to be buried, and then why he had to rise again, we have to understand that Adam and Eve when they had sinned that day in the Garden of Eden, what they had done was that uh, they had actually sown the seed of death. It was a seed of death. Their sin became a seed that now gave us the harvest of death. In another way, everything from that point became what? Death. The ground died, if you read in the book of Genesis. The ground died or it was cursed. Man had to work extra hard because of that seed. I want to tell you that uh, every seed that falls onto the ground will bear the, the fruits of its own kind because every seed has its, its own DNA. Whatever it is planted, that is what is going to harvest. So Adam and Eve planted what? Planted the seed of sin. As a result, the harvest was what? Death. Now God knew to change the seed that Adam and Eve had planted. He had to plant another seed. And this seed will do what? will bring in life. Just quickly before we even go to the scriptures that I have, uh, I want to show you that even in Galatians uh, chapter 3 verse 16, where we see the promise of the seed. Galatians 3 16, I'm just making a reference. I don't think they have that scripture there. But it says that now the promises were spoken to Abraham to his seed. It does not say and it does not say and to seeds. 
as though referring to many, but referring to one and to your seed, who is who? Christ. So Jesus became the seed that God was going to plant to change the fruits that Adam and Eve had planted. I'm taking you somewhere here with this message. It's very important to understand why Jesus had to die and why he had to be buried and why he had to rise. Do you know that if he did not rise, then our faith would have been baseless. We would still be influenced by the seed that Adam and Eve had planted. Now, let's go to this. Here is another scripture we can look at to just look at that seed. It's actually Genesis 22 verse 19. It says, through your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. In another way here, Abraham sowed the seed of obedience to God, while Adam and Eve sowed the seed of disobedience to God. But because, because Abraham sowed the seed of obedience to God, God said that through your seed, all nations will be blessed because of you. This is getting interesting. Now, look what we see from this here, uh, is that uh, in order for the seed to give life, the seed first must be put into the ground. By the time we are done with this message, some of you, you will change the seeds that you have been sowing with your mouth without knowing that whatever you speak becomes a seed that you will harvest from. Now look at this here. In order for the seed to give life, the seed must first be put into the ground. With this picture in mind, we can powerfully understand the significance of the death and the burial of Jesus Christ. Let me tell you, people of God, if we don't get the importance and the power of the, the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, listen, we continue to walk powerless before God. We can be religious. We can be good people but we don't have the power of the presence of God. That was not the intention of God. God wants each and every one of us to walk in his power. Now look at this here. Right in 1 Corinthians there, 15 verse 12 to 14. It says, uh, now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our proclamation is without a foundation. And so is your faith. Verse 17 says, And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless and you are still in your sins. The greatest fear of the religious leaders was not just, was not because Jesus showed up and said that he was, you know, he was the Messiah. That was not their greatest fear. 
Because in Israel up to this point, there were many messiahs that showed up and proclaimed we are the messiah. But that messiah, according to the you know, religious leaders of that day, they wanted the messiah to do a certain things to confirm really he was the messiah. Part of it was the healing, the lepros, and all that stuff. But the greatest fear was not the healing because they believed even which doctors could heal people. So even if Jesus came and did all that, that's why they said sometimes he was performing miracles because of Barabbas, you know, whatever that, but Jesus, whatever that spirit. So their greatest fear of Jesus Christ was not the healing, was not because he was Jesus. There was something deeper, something greater that they were afraid of. And that was him rising on the third day. They did not get scared of any other things. You can claim you are Jesus, you can claim you are this, but there is one thing that we are scared of, and I'm going to show you the scriptures right here. Because you have to understand the depth and the significance of him rising up from the grave and what that seed of Jesus Christ, it's like uh, the grave could not hold that seed. You see, when you plant a seed in a good soil, no matter what happens, it may take two years, three years, that seed somehow will come out. The soil can't stifle the rising of the seed. So to them, to discredit the power of God, to discredit the salvation Jesus was to proclaim, they needed to do everything possible not to allow Jesus to arise. Because if he, he arose or he rises up from the grave, guess what is coming now? Not only has he changed the seed that Adam and Eve had planted, he has actually released now the resurrection power into all those who would receive him as their father. That's where the significance is. Now, let's build on this here real quick here. Look at Matthew chapter 16, verse 21 to 23. Right from the beginning, Jesus begins to talk about uh, him being dead, which did not sit very well with his disciples. Because the disciples were expecting a military kind of a messiah. They wanted somebody who is a strong man who can beat up the Roman Empire. They were going through so many stuff. So they wanted a military kind of a messiah. And here is a messiah who shows up. He's going to say, I'm going to die. Then what kind of a hero are you? Because we think heroes don't die. But this kind of hero, to be a hero, he needed to die. But he was not going to stay in the ground. He was going to rise up just like a seed would go in the ground and pop up after some time. Now look at this here. Jesus begins to tell his disciples, Matthew 16, 21 to 23, they are about. It says, uh, from then on, Jesus began to point out to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer. Come on, my hero suffering? My hero suffering? Come on, would you model your life around somebody who cries all the time? You want somebody strong. But he was totally different. He was bringing a different kingdom. And this kingdom was not going to be operated by the principles of the world. 
It was going to be operated by the principles of the kingdom that governs the very realm of the power of God. In order for life to come, somebody had to die in order for that seed to pop up with life. And it is from this background I want you to understand if you and I are to walk in the power of God, that's why the Bible says what? We are to die to serve. It's only when we die as a seed would go in the ground, that's when life becomes to bubble up in our lives with Christ. Now look here, Jesus is telling his disciples, I can imagine the disciples here, they are heard spinning, they have suffered a lot from the Roman Empire, and here is the hero they had expected all these years, and he tells them, I have to go to Jerusalem, and I will suffer. I will suffer from the elders, the chief priests, the scribes, and be killed. That is even too much now. My hero has to be killed. The greater Messiah has to be killed. God, why can't you just send redemption without death? You have to understand God does not miss a step. If one step is missed, then everything is in disorder. Right from the garden, we see what Adam and Eve had done. They had sown into the ground through sin, death had entered. So for God to redeem the ground, for God to redeem the people, he had to sow now this powerful, clean, pure, unblemished seed into the ground to alter the seed that had entered into the world. Now look here, he tells them, be killed, and he mentioned to them several times, and be raised the third day. You have to understand that. Be raised the third day. That became the greatest fear for the religious leaders. You will see some of the scriptures. They did not get scared of Jesus' power. They did not get scared of Jesus' anointing. That was not a concern to them. Their fear was this guy may rise up again. And we are done if he does that. So you're going to see the scriptures when Jesus was buried. Actually, they put soldiers to guard the tomb. Listen to this here. In verse 22 of Matthew 16, then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Peter could not understand too. Peter begins to rebuke Jesus. Isn't that interesting? You see, Look what God, I mean, Jesus says here. He says, first Peter says, he rebuked, he rebuked Jesus, oh no, Lord, this will never happen to you. Peter is thinking of a military. Peter is thinking of going to fight the Romans. They are not going to take my Messiah here. I'm going to fight with tooth and nail. And look what Jesus says to Peter. Get behind me, Satan. Was Peter a Satan? No. Peter was not a Satan. But look the words that Jesus says. You are an offense to me because you are not thinking about God's concerns. So, 
Peter, you are a Satan. Get behind me, Satan, because you are not thinking about God's concerns, but man's. Then the question is, what was God's main concern in order for him to send Jesus Christ as a seed? You see, with man, their thinking was, no, you're not going to die. I'm going to defend you. But with God's concern was he needed to die as a seed so that the, the world's fruits would be changed through the life of Jesus Christ. Peter couldn't see that. He was only concerned, probably with his title. This is my Messiah. I'm not going to let my master be, be killed. And then let's go, let's go down here. Look at, um, look at uh, uh, Matthew 20 verse, 20, verse 12 to 19. I want to move real quick here so that I, I bring you to where I want to bring you. It says, uh, while going up to Jerusalem, Jesus took the 12 disciples aside privately and said to them on the way, listen, we are going up to Jerusalem. The Son of Man will be handed over to the chief priests and scribes, and they will condemn him to death. Then they will hand him over to the Gentiles to be mocked, flogged, and crucified. Like a seed, he will rise again on the third day. He emphasized those things. There is a reason. This is not just the way we know the death and the burial of Jesus Christ religiously. There is power and an exchange that has to happen here. There is a deeper exchange where power is going to shift. Up to this point, the power was with the seed that Adam and Eve had sown, which means anything you did was death. But there's a shift that is happening here. Now look at Matthew, uh, Matthew chapter 27, verse 62 to 65, thereabout. This is Jesus now. He is dead. He is buried. And look what is happening here. The next day, which followed the preparation day, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered before Pilate and said, Sir, we remember that while this deceiver, Jesus, they were saying, was still alive, he said after three days he will rise again. Why are they just concerned so much on him rising on the third day? They're not concerned they just killed him. They're not concerned about anything else. Because whatever happened, the mocking and everything, the flogging, Jesus being on the cross, did not matter that much. Why? According to them, they crucified criminals on the cross. Anybody who did something crazy, they crucified them to shame them. That's why if you read the scripture, the, 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 the Bible says that uh, Jesus actually shamed shame on the cross. They wanted to shame him, but Jesus in, the, in another way, he said, wow, shame to shame. But to them, the cross wasn't all that powerful. The cross didn't mean so much like it means to us. Because they knew they could put somebody there, they would die, it's just a cross. And in the spiritual realm as well, the exchange of the power and the anointing of God and the change that God was bringing really for the most part did not rest on the cross alone. I know the cross is powerful. 
I know the cross is the beginning of everything. But you have to understand it did not end right on the cross. They were not concerned about the cross as much as they were concerned. If this guy comes out of the grave, we are done. It's like the devil saying, if this guy comes out of that door, we are done. And I've been saying nowadays everywhere I go that the devil and the demonic world knows that their time is up. Now look at this here. This, listen to these words. They say, sir, we remember that while this deceiver was still alive, he said after three days he will rise again. Verse 64, so give orders that the tomb be made secure until the third day otherwise. His disciples may come and steal him and tell the people he has been raised from the dead. And the last deception will be worse than the first. 65, take guards, Pilate told them, go and make it as secure as you know how. They did not secure the cross as they know how. But only this part here. They say, take the guards, secure the, the tomb, and make it more secure the, how, the best how you know how to do it. No wonder they brought that stone. You have to understand that stone is significant. Because that no person inside that tomb is going to push that bigger area of a stone. Maybe you have never looked at this. What was that stone? When the Bible says uh, the stone rolled away, you have to understand the significance of the power of God. That as long as Jesus was a seed that was buried in that tomb, any seed will pop up. It doesn't matter the condition of the sun. It doesn't matter the condition of water. They are fruit, you know, plants that will, plant, will come out even without water. Do you know some of you have got the gardens and the summer is just coming up. There's just that one weed that annoys you every day. You go and you dig the roots of that weed. It goes away for a little bit. It pops up on another side. You're like, man, what are we going to do with this? Think of that as the seed of Christ, the seed of Messiah, buried in that tomb. But it still he found a way to come out. What is God sharing with us on this here? Look at this here. They went, they did what? They put every man power towards that. Why? They took Jesus' claim very seriously that he will rise. And we want to make sure we keep him in the grave. Why? Because every gods that have ever been gods either made by mankind, never ever had life when they were bashed or dismantled. Muhammad is still, his bones, they can even trace them where they were buried. Any other guru of any religion, when they die, you can even go and dig up their bones. There's only one person in history that you can never find a trace of the bone in the ground. That is not to make us religious happy. It's to understand the significance of the death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
When you understand the power of God to this level, trust me, not even depression, stress, or circumstances that you may be going through will be able to bury you down in that depression. If death could not hold him, if death could not hold him, if the stone that they had put on the tomb could not hold him, what is it that would hold you if you are pursuing God and you have God with you? Could it be money? That's why the Bible says not even death could actually rob us of what we know and who we have. Now, listen to this here. It gets interesting here. Jesus in that tomb. Now, he is in that tomb. Here's what is happening. Just like the ground could not hold the seed hostage. The ground, whenever you plant, the ground cannot hold the seed hostage. Some of the plants that were planted here in Canada, for example, the snow covered the ground. There was too much water. If you begin to drive the country, you will start seeing things popping up. A seed cannot be held hostage. Just like the seed cannot be held hostage by the ground, the tomb could not hold Jesus hostage. And look what happens here. If death or the grave could not hold Jesus down, here's what it means now to those who believe in Jesus, to those who follow Jesus. Here's what it means. It means a sin has no longer power to hold us down. Because the seed that came to redeem the sin of mankind has been altered or changed to the original who is Jesus Christ. So look at this here. If the grave could not hold Jesus down in that tomb, that means sin has no power to hold us down. That means a sickness has no power to hold us down. That means a failure has no power to hold us down. That means depression has no power to hold us down. That means rejection has no power to hold you down. I like rejection. You know what I like rejection about? When you are rejected, actually Jesus taught his disciples, when you are rejected in one place, come on, just shake your ground and move on. You know what rejection, rejection is? Rejection sometimes can be actually God speaking to you not to go this way. Just because you are rejected, it doesn't mean that God has denied what you want. Jesus was rejected, but rejection was not the end. So some of you probably you may experience rejection. Let me tell you something. Rejection can be just your protection of the vision and the purpose that God is doing in your life. Never lose a sleep when you are rejected in any area. Why? Because it can be a protection of you for what God wants to bathe in you. So here, because of the grave, because the grave or death could not hold Jesus down, then we know this, shame and guilty can no longer hold me down. We will make mistakes in this world. We will make mistakes in this life. You probably have made mistakes like I have. Unless you live on a planet Mars. But as long as you know Jesus Christ, you have Jesus in your life, 
Shame and guilt can never paralyze you. Many people are paralyzed by shame and guilt. They shamed Jesus, but Jesus shamed shame on your behalf and on my behalf so that shame could not hold us back. Now listen to this here. Here is what I was saying to myself as I was studying. I said, uh, when life shows up at the grave, the scripture we're going to read here quickly, it is like life showed up at the grave. When life shows up at the grave. The disciples, just like some people who are not counted with a seed, they will try and go and dig the seed to make sure the seed is there. They're going to go and check out, is Jesus still in there? But they don't know that you can't plant a seed without that seed rising up. Matthew 28 verse 1 to 10. Look at this here. After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and other Mary went to view the tomb. Suddenly, there was a violent earthquake. The only time we saw that violent earthquake is in Acts chapter 2. But look at this here. Because an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and approached the tomb. He rolled back the stone and was sitting on it. His appearance was like lightning and his robe was as white as snow. Now look what happens in verse 4. That's where I want to take you, you know, I want to get your attention to. Remember they had stationed the guards, the burst guards to hold down Jesus right there, please. Their greatest fear is about to become a reality. Why? Because if this moment did not happen, we would be depressed people, we would be hopeless people, we would be a people of sin and death, and we would be a people who have no power at all. Look what happens here. Verse 14. It says that the gods... We are so shaken from the fear of him that they became like dead men. At the grave. They don't know what they were guarding against, but he showed up. This shows us that it doesn't matter the circumstances that you may be facing. There is no challenge that is too big with God. God will show up and show himself off to an extent that at the mention of the name of the living God, what does the Bible say? Every knee shall bow down. Why? These gods here, they are trembling and they became like a dead man. Why? Because their greatest fear was again not to make sure Jesus isn't, you know, it doesn't come out of the grave. Look why I say that. In Matthew 28, verse 11 to 15, I know we're reading a lot of scripture. I want to get you somewhere. Here's what it says. As they were on their way, some of the guards came into the city and reported to the chief priest everything that had happened. 
after the priest had assembled with the elders and agreed on a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money and told them, say this, his disciples came during the night and stole him while we were sleeping. 14, if this reaches the governors here, we will deal with him and keep you out of trouble. 15, they took the money and did as they were instructed. And this story has been spread among the Jewish people to this day. There was some news not too long ago where they're trying to ban in Israel mentioning of Jesus. Because the greatest fear was just Jesus coming out of that grave. So they bribed the guards. Go lie. Why? They did not bribe anybody that he did not die on the cross. They did not do nothing much about the cross other than mock him there. But guess what happens? Here's what happens. At the tomb, they began to see this is real. This is powerful. The resurrection of Jesus Christ has caused now a new birth. There's something happening. There's something cooking in the atmosphere. Power has come. The seed has begun to give life. That was their scare. And as you see, let me end with 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23 to 26. The Bible declares that because you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like a flower of the grass. The grass withers, and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this word is the gospel that was proclaimed to you. What gospel? The gospel of a risen Messiah. Because if he did not rise out of the grave, you and I would still be influenced by the demonic forces of, 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 of evil. Now to a Christian in our modern day, how do I understand this significance moment? Of a seed, Jesus has a seed dying in the ground. What does this mean in my life? That Jesus was a seed. And that seed also is the Word. Because the Bible declares. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with him and he was the word each and every one of us are sowing seeds to this day just like Adam and Eve had sowed the seed of sin and death some of us are sowing seeds of bitterness, hatred, seeds of gossip, and mosty.
And we wonder why we are not seeing the power of God. Listen, if you're gonna change an orange tree, you better make sure you plant a different seed because an orange will give fruits to an orange. It is from that principle Jesus began to teach his disciples and he said that how can you bear good fruits if in you there is only bad seeds? How can I change? Listen, mankind, the heart of mankind is wicked. Why? Because of what was sown into wickedness. And God is looking for a people that are going to rise up in His power. People who are going to sow different seeds. People who are going to sow the seeds of redemption, the seeds of healing, the seeds of the power of God. We are who we are because of the seeds that we have sown. Adam and Eve sowed the seeds of sin. To change that, God, through His Son, Jesus Christ, His blood was spilled into the ground as the seed that would alter the seeds of Adam. My question is, what kind of seeds are you sowing? Even when God has already sown the seed of redemption, we are still sowing the seeds that brings the shackles around us. As we remember this Easter coming up here, I want you to understand the significance of the death of Jesus Christ and the burial of Jesus Christ, as well as the resurrection. The Bible says there is no fruit that can come out if the seed does not die into the ground. With that in mind, Jesus started using the same principle of agriculture and as well as, as the seed to say you can't bear different fruits if you don't change the seed that you have been planting. You can't say, I want to live a life of power, a life of the, the resurrection power, the life that flows with the Spirit of God. If you don't know how to sow seeds of prayer on your knees in the corner, glorifying God, worshiping God, crying out to God, praying before God, those are seed. Your prayer is a seed that will draw upon the power of God. Your praise and worship is a seed when you declare those words into the atmosphere. You are declaring the very seed that went into the ground, the seed of Jesus Christ. That's why you are worshiping God. You are glorifying God because the death could not hold Him. That's why I speak. I don't speak from a position of my own religiosity. I speak from a position of what Jesus was capable of doing. The grave could not hold Him. The next time you are depressed and feeling lost and feeling like uh, you have been deserted, remember Jesus in the grave. He was all by Himself. And the Bible does not say that He Himself as He came out, He rolled that stone. It just said the angels when they showed up, they rolled the stone and it was empty in there. Where did He go? You can't contain the power of God. We can't contain the glory of God. We can't contain the miracles of God. 
God is our helper. Understand this. He died so that you and I can have life. To have a different life than the life the world is offering, then we have to surrender to Jesus Christ. Let me say this. Let's stand and we're going to pray together. God has shown me a vision as I was preaching in one of the churches. And that vision was the people were in the church and yet they were suffering silently. There are too many battles going on in within their life, but they came to church just because they needed to count in, they went to church. They were still struggling and things were not working and they are battling so many things in their lives. They felt shame if anybody was to know what I'm going through. What do they think? There are many people suffering in silence in our churches, even when Jesus has already provided the redemption and the power to serve us from things that comes to influence us that is not of God. But the Holy Spirit spoke to me as He, as he was showing me that vision was that because the people, they have been planting seeds that are dangerous to their lives. The things you say about yourself. Oh, poor me. I'll never change. I can't do that. Oh, I'm just a depressed person. Because my uncle also was depressed. I think it runs in our family. I think it runs in my uncle also suffered with that. Just because your uncle suffered with a certain illness or a certain condition, it doesn't mean that you are also going to suffer from the same. You have to denounce that seed and begin to plant the seed of life. Just because your dad or your uncle was an alcoholic, it doesn't mean that you have to be affected by the same spirit. God has said if you change the seed that you sow, your life will be different. Just because depression and stress and mental health runs in the family, it doesn't mean that you can't speak to that mountain of mental health to say, today it ends right here, not in my family. Just because your parents' marriage ended in divorce, it doesn't mean yours has to end the same way. What kind of seeds are you planting? The Bible says we reap what we plant and how often we plant it. Some of the things we are going through is as a result of some of the things we have declared and prophesied over our voice, over our lives. Do you know that you are a prophet? Do you know that in you God has invested a prophetic anointing? You may not know it. What you say will come to pass. In Ezekiel 37, Ezekiel saw the dry bones and God said, Son of man, what do you see? Ezekiel said, I see dry bones. But God did not tell Ezekiel, I'm going to prophesy to change those dry bones. 
God told Ezekiel, Son of man, prophesy to these dry bones. The significance of this story is not because the dry bones came to life. God was showing mankind that your voice, your words has the power. That's why the Bible says the same mouth you use to praise God is the same mouth you are using to curse God or to curse other people. As Ezekiel looked at the dry bones, God says, prophesy, son of man. And Ezekiel began to speak to those bones. And the Bible records that every tender, every meat, everything started coming together. Did God prophesy on behalf of Ezekiel? No. So that means you have the power. You don't have to go to a priest to prophesy for you. You no longer need a, 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 a preacher in the sense that he has to prophesy for a direction where you need to go. You may need help, like the help I'm giving you right now to make you understand you have the power. But your power is only available when you are able to connect to God. Does anybody has a, a phone here with a charger? Let me just show you an analogy quickly before we go. A phone and a charger. A phone and a charger. Anybody with a phone and a charger? Anybody with a phone and a charger? I know you, you, you guys walk with chargers. A phone and a charger. Anybody? A phone and a charger. Bring it quickly, please. A phone and a charger. Find me a phone and a charger. I want to show you something. We're going to go. We're going to go. I know you need to go. You need to go and have lunch. I'm actually preaching in Mississauga from here. I'm going straight there. But let me, let me let's not run this. Let's not rush this. Yes, this is good. This is good. This should work. I knew people walk with chargers. You see, this phone here is only as good as the charger that is holding it because if this phone is in charged I can't do nothing with it it is still a phone it is still called a phone the name does not change just because it is not charged but it's still a phone but because it is not charged it is useless to me I have a charger right now I will plug in the other end of the charger. And I got it dangling down like this. And this charger here can represent the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says God has deposited in each and every one of you, in every one of us, the Spirit of God. He has put it in there. But listen to this. We have the Spirit of God and we're still depressed. We have the Spirit of God and still we're still suffering. We have the Spirit of God and there's no difference between those who know God and those who do not know God. We are just like the same as in the world. Why? Because we haven't understood how to plug the end into the power continuously. The charger is good. It's in there. The phone is in there. Still, this is useless to me. If I'm about to drive where I'm going, my GPS will be lost and I will not make it home. Now, here is what happens. If I plug this to the power, 
Actually, the phone will even vibrate to tell me power is coming in. That means as a Christian, you can call yourself a Christian. You can be committed. Every Sunday going to church, carrying a big Bible, praying 24-7, going to the mountain praying. But as long as your prayer and your faith and your life is not constantly plagued to the power, the source of power, which is Jesus Christ, you are still going to be useless. And when I say useless, I mean using less of what God has given you. Now, here is another scenario. Okay, this is now charged. I've plugged in to the power. It is now finally charged. I don't need this right now. You can have it. Now I got the phone back and it is charged. But there's another issue with the phone. On every device that you have, you have a password in order to go into that phone. I can swipe here, it won't take me anywhere. I can't read a message. Actually, some of you are set up in such a way that three attempts to get into your phone, the phone is locked. But I got the phone, but I don't have the password to access it. That means you can have the Holy Spirit. That means you are connected and plugged to God. Everything is okay, but there is a password that you need. And the Bible declares your praise is a password that accesses the power of God. As long as there is praise on your mouth, as long as there is worship on your mouth, you are going to access the power and the anointing and the presence of God at any time. Don't let the enemy steal your voice. Thanks for listening. To hear more, subscribe to this podcast and connect with us on our website at lgcy.church.